Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. This week, Pastor Kenny taught on James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, a passage aimed at encouraging us to pray in all kinds of seasons for all kinds of reasons. So today, uh, James is going to be talking about prayer. We're at the end of the letter, and it, he doesn't jump out of context to the letter Though That's important for us to understand that the context in James chapter 1, he starts off that he writes this letter so that we would grow to maturity, and maturity looks like becoming more like Jesus. So his, his ultimate desire is for us to become more like Jesus, and it's often said, and I, and I think it's true, that God's chief aim in life, as, as he is sovereign, is not necessarily to make us happy in the moment, but he's more concerned with making us more like Jesus. So he wants us to become mature. And he's talked about this whole gamut of things that we really experience, including struggles. When we go through trials of various kinds, he says, rejoice. Why? Because somehow God is able to use that to make you more holy, to make you more like Jesus. Right In all of these different areas, he's talking about relationships, he's talking about work ethic, he's talking, and, and mostly he's talking about the issue stems from our hearts, right? So if your heart is, if you imagine your heart for a moment being like a, 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 a planter's pot with soil in it, and being a good a gardener, there's nothing in the soil that's keeping your plants from growing, and your heart is like that. And so we need to be kind of, as, as we're living, watching for the check engine lights in our life. What's going on that's, that's, that's revealing things about my heart? And what do I need to get rid of? What do, what do I need to do less of? What do I need to guard against? And then what do I need to put in there? And he's, he's saying when we put the gospel in, in, in that soil, that seed grows to maturity. And we got to watch out for that. So this is kind of the context of the letter. And as he ends, he's going to really dig into prayer. And as we dig into this prayer, prayer is an amazing thing. Most people believe in prayer. James is going to say, no, specifically, we pray to the Lord. He's going to say, um, one thing about prayer is, anybody feel like you're a master of prayer? If you feel like a master of prayer, um, uh, James is going to slice you up a humble pie this morning, right? He's, he's going to say some things in this letter that can be taken all different types of direction. And the church has historically and today had all these different types of beliefs. But I would just kick us off like this. Most of the things that theologians argue about, they disagree about, have to do with what God does on his end and not so much what we do on our end. Right? When it comes to salvation, everyone agrees that he's given us the gospel and we spread the gospel. And somehow through this gospel message, people get saved. How that all works out, people have been arguing about for 2,000 years. Prayer is like that. We're going to look at some things and you're going ha- to have some questions. And most of it, I would just say, has to do with like, how does prayer work on God's end? But does that change how we pray? It shouldn't change so much how we pray. The, the thing is that, that we should pray. And his aim is to encourage us to pray. His, his encouragement is that prayer matters and that we should be praying. So with all of that, I'm going to dig in and we'll, we'll have some fun with this, okay? James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? 
He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being, as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. And then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. A lot in there, right? And so we're going to look at basically three aspects from this. And the first one is this. We're going we're gonna to look at one of the things that James is saying here is he's saying that we should pray in every season. Pray in every season. And he's not the only one who said that. James said this often in his letters. I just want to give you two examples. In Ephesians six eighteen, this is Paul uh, uh, writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession, which is a type of prayer for all the saints. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18, he says this. He goes, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's a good scripture for Thanksgiving. I should have focused on that one, huh? All right. Um, one thing that I would just point out to here, whenever you see, and this is something that, that stood out to me this week, whenever you see the Bible talking about God's will, see, when we, when we think about God's will or God's plan for our life, that's very interesting to us. I want to know what God's plan is for my life if he has one, right? And whenever it talks about God's will, I would say like 98% of the time in the scriptures, and it does this often, it's referring to your character and not your calling. God's will, when we think out, it often is, what are you going to do in my life? Or what am I going to do in my life? What do you have planned for me to do in your, my life? And almost 98% of the time, and it talks about it often, it's talking about character. Do good. Pray. It is God's will for us to pray for each other. It is God's will for us to have prayer as a huge, impactful thing in our church. It is God's will to pray, to be a person who prays. And he tells us we're going we're gonna to pray in all times. And, and, and that includes, as James is saying, in hard times, right? He's saying pray in hard times. Is anybody, in, is, is anybody amongst you suffering? That's always a yes. Sometimes there's suffering in silence. Sometimes there's different degrees of suffering. There's suffering all throughout. But there's always people suffering and to be praying when people are suffering. But let me ask you this. When you're going through trials, do you pray for deliverance or do you pray for endurance? I almost always pray, if you're like, like oh, I don't want to answer it, I'll just I'll, I'll answer for us. I almost always pray for deliverance, right? Like, God, I'm going through suffering. Take it away. And that's not a bad thing. But in 
interesting. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, Paul is going through a very hard time of suffering. And the context is, I mean, all Paul cares about is doing what God wants him to do and doing ministry. I, he's a, he's a go-getter, man. He's out there doing ministry. If he gets a cold, he's like, God, ah, why do I have a cold? All I want to do is ministry and it's slowing me down. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? That's kind of his perspective. And so that's a good perspective. But he says in 2 Corinthians, he goes, concerning this, a type of physical struggle that he's going with, through that has to do with his eyes. Something's going on with his eyes. He doesn't tell us what. He goes, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times <clears throat> that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. In other words, Paul prays three times, God, take this away so that I can do what you want me to do. And God, in essence, goes, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the strength to endure it. Now, what's the best answer to the question, when you pray, when you're struggling, should you pray for uh, deliverance or endurance I think the healthiest and most mature is to put an and there. We should pray for deliverance. And we should pray for endurance. Sometimes God doesn't work in our timing and in the way that we ask him to. And we need to trust him. And he, and, but, but we can also not pray for, maybe he won't take it away immediately. But it'll help you as you go through the process of struggling through it. And so it kind of just expands. James is expanding our kind of hearts here. If you have your, your paper Bible and you want to circle, underline, uh, or highlight, um, circle, underline, or highlight the word suffering. The word suffering. And in your margins, write James 1, 2 through 4. James 1, 2 through 4. That way, whenever you're reading through James, you'll always know that there's a cross-reference there that James has already been talking about. In James 1... Two through four, the, the first chapter of this letter, we're now in the fifth chapter. So early on in the letter, he goes, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. The goal is maturity, becoming more like Jesus, so rejoice when you go through struggles and God doesn't deliver you at times because he has a plan and just know if he hasn't, if you prayed and he hasn't given you deliverance, then he has a plan for it. So you go, yes, chance to grow. If you guys do that. The flu, God, forgive me for all the times I didn't thank you for when I was healthy. Anyone else? Right. From now on, I'm going to be like flu. Yes. More time to pray in bed. Right. No, I, I'm not going to get too weird, but I'm already weird enough. <laughs> Wait, I, how do you get the most laughs in the whole service from the fact that I'm weird? Now, we pray in hard times, but he, he also expands the pendulum here and he says, also pray in happy times. Pray in happy times. He says, is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. The word praises here, the Greek word, would literally mean play your harp. And in the context, it's used many times in, in, in the, the New Testament. And almost always, it's a prayerful type of praise. It's not a corporate 
type of prison. It could be, but it's basically like if you were, if you were in your room and you were praying and, and you were like just, you were just praising him in the middle of your praying. This is kind of what Paul is saying. That's what's lumped together here. So pray in hard times, pray in happy times. Corey Ten Boone famously asked this kind of provoking question. She asked, is prayer your spare tire or is prayer your steering wheel? In other words, when do you need a spare tire? Day. In a bad moment. You need a spare tire when you're in an emergency type situation. When do you need a steering wheel? Whenever you go anywhere. So she's like, do you pray only when you get into an emergency or is it just your go-to travel thing that you're just going to pray in all times? And that's what James is really saying. Hey, don't pretend like you're always happy. We do go through hard times. But in every season that we go through, God wants to be involved. And so prayer is always appropriate. And I would say that one sign of maturity in Christ, which is the aim of this letter, one sign of maturity in Christ is that we pray and we praise in all seasons. When you pray when you're going through hard times, that's great. When you pray when you're going through great times, that's great. When you praise God when you're going through great times, that's easy. When you praise God, when you just don't feel like it, that's not disingenuous. Because worship is worthship. And he's... So praying and praising in hard times is a sign of maturity. And the second thing that James really jumps into is this, that we should pray to get healthy. We should pray to get healthy. And this includes physically. This includes physically. He says in James 5, 14 through 15, he says, Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church. This word elders probably isn't like when we talk about elders at this church. When in, the, in the context, James is probably talking about the mature believers of the congregation. Although the elders would be a part of that. This, I, I, the, the encouraging thing is this isn't limited to just like whenever someone's sick, hey, you got to have these, the elders. We have six of them. So there's those, if, they're, if they're busy, wow. Bad things are going to happen. No, community group leaders, ministry leaders, friends, anybody who's a mature believer can go and pray in this context, I believe. So is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Right? We pray to Jesus, to the Heavenly Father, not to just the big guy in the sky or just... You know, throw up a big prayer to some random whoever you believe in. No, this is a very specific. And he says, the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, obviously, this has to do with the physical healing. If you're sick, go pray for them. And it's talking in the context of physical healing. But I would also say it's not locked into that box. The way that James speaks about this is much more holistic than our first glance, perhaps. It's not just a physical healing. If you have your Bible, you can circle, highlight, or underline, faith will save him. Faith will save him. And maybe underline, the Lord will raise him up. 
Some would argue that maybe that means they're sick in bed and they'll get up. But this is interesting language in the New Testament. Typically, when the Lord lifts you up, it's talking about on that final day when you're raised up to eternal life in heaven. It's interesting. And then he says, he will be forgiven. That's an interesting. I'm going to pray for you to get, you're sick, I'm going to pray for you. Your sins are forgiven. Who does that remind you of? Jesus often did that. And the interesting thing, another interesting thing in here is why oil and prayer? Maybe, maybe particularly there's a lot of different nuanced uh, uh, ideas about this. It was, it was kind of normal for them to pray with oil. But interesting, when the, when the Good Samaritan, everyone's familiar with the idea of the Good Samaritan. It's an actual Bible story. And when, they, uh, when, when, when the this Good Samaritan finds this guy broken, beaten up, almost dead, what does he put on him? Oil. He anoints him with oil. It was a very medicinal thing. I mean, it was the essential oils of the day. I don't know, right? But, but the idea might be that when you go and pray for somebody, you go to their house, you anoint them with oil. Maybe you don't do that today. Maybe you do. Not inappropriate. But maybe you bring them flowers. Maybe you bring them some Tylenol. Maybe you bring them some soup, right? I think maybe the context here is also like, hey, go and bless them and, and, and comfort them with whatever that you can. And also pray for them. Some would also argue that maybe this is, is anointing them, claiming them for God, right? Some make it more of a sacrament thing where God actually, in the, in the mix of the oil, somehow he works in that. Although I would say across the New Testament, many times people are prayed for and healed with no oil and it works. So this is kind of an interesting uh, dynamic, but I would say... It's always a great thing to go and bless them physically with something, flowers, those types of things, and to pray for them. And he says, in suffering, right, we can pray for people. When they're suffering, we go pray for them. And how are you going to pray for them? Pray for them that God would deliver them from the suffering and also And that God would give them endurance in the suffering. That God would take away the He would help them in their suffering. That is a mature way of praying. What about in their sickness? Right? Have some mature believers come and pray for healing. That's what it says. The word sick here is it's interesting. Is the same word that Paul uses in that 2 Corinthians when he says that Please take this away from me three times. God says, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. That word weakness, same word James is using for the the, the healing sickness. In other words, he's saying, in your sickness, God's answer is, I will help you get through it. I have a purpose for it. I'm not going to take it away immediately because I'm using it for a greater purpose. We can ask that God would help them. And I would say that this is a... A, a, a powerful truth to hold on to. God never wastes a hurt. How many of you guys have ever had a cir- circumstance in your life where you're like, I do not understand God and God's ways. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand what. Good foundation. But I know God never wastes a hurt. This will not get wasted. God will somehow use this. I do not know how. I may never know how. I'm going to put my faith in the fact that God never wastes a hurt. And I think people often ask, why is this happening? 
When I go and pray for, I think sometimes when people are sick or struggling uh, or mourning, uh, don't want to spend too much time with them. We might avoid going over there because we don't know what to say. And oftentimes I go into those situations and they ask a lot of why questions. Why is this happening? Why did he take my this? So, you know, why did this happen? I don't know the answer. And in those moments, it's okay to say, I don't know the answer, and, but I'll pray for you. We'll pray. Because God is bigger than all of this. God is able. God is loving. God is caring. And so we enter into prayer like this. And another interesting thing. So he says, pray in suffering. Pray in sickness. And he also adds in there, pray in sinfulness. Pray in sinfulness. Are you going through a struggle right now with sin? Are you struggling with something? He's like, confess your sins to one another. It's interesting. In the context of this prayer. Do you have somebody in your life that knows your sin? Do you, do you have people in your life that when they start to see the check engine lights going off in your life, will come up to you and say, hey, let's get together, man. Let's pray over that. Is there anybody in your life that's walking with you through the struggles? Because that's what James adds too. When you're, when you're suffering, pray for the person who's suffering. When you're sick physically, man, pray for them. When you're, when you're struggling with sin, which is all of us, we're all fellow strugglers, amen? amen? Right. When it says the goal is to become mature in Christ, nobody has reached it yet. Not in this room, right? So, Ask people to come and pray for you as you struggle. We're going to talk about that next week. So I'm going to kind of leave it there. And we're going to get to our final section, which I think is the most interesting section. Save the best for last. And it's this. He says, pray with faith. What does that mean? Who wants to come up here and take my place? Pray with faith. Go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty challenging. There's, this is all across the board in the church. This is where we argue about what God does, I think, rather than what we should do. I, I want to tell you a couple things before I get into this section. I don't think that we're going to get to the bottom of this this morning. I think there's just some mystery in this. And I think that that's okay. I want this church to be a church that, that, that is, is passionately pursuing Jesus but I like to have a big theological table in the sense that there are some essential things about salvation that are very important. But if we disagree on things at this church, we're not going to, it's not going to thwart our mission and we're not going to separate. This is one of those areas. When, when, when we talk about prayer, and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more, I would say this. When I'm teaching, my aim is, is more to teach you how to think than to teach you what to think. When we're, how to study the scriptures and how to think. So I'm, we, may be, we may end up persuaded in a little bit different areas is what I'm saying. And I would say this. John Stott, a great theologian, said this about tough passages in the Bible. He said, things are clear. We, things are unclear. We should use wisdom. So you'll have to come to some conclusions maybe. But you want to keep those conclusions with a lot of humility. And it's unclear not if you think it's clear. But if a lot of great thinkers disagree on, an, on a subject, then it's probably more unclear than you think. Just because you are strongly persuaded, you've got to have some humility. And so the first question I would ask that pops up to me is, does God heal every person whom we pray for with faith? 
Does God heal? I would say in this context, the way that most people would be physical healing. Physical healing. Does God physically heal? And some people believe that the answer is true. I would say as a starting point, and then I'll go through how I come across my thinking, mainly aiming to help you think through it. I don't think this is a promise or a guarantee that everyone we pray for will get a physical healing. In other words, if someone has cancer and pray with enough faith, I don't think there's a 100% guarantee that they're going to be cancer-free at the end of my prayer or even at the end of their life. I think, though, also I would fall in the category that God does heal. I think we should pray with some expectation that there are times that I could pray for someone who has cancer and literally they could go in the next day and their doctor could say, you're cancer-free. And it happens. Why sometimes, why not? I do not know. But I think that's the tension that we pray in. And so, but here's, a couple, here's three common perspectives that Christians often have in an answer to this question. All right? And you might fall in one of these or you might not have ever thought about this. But there are three common perspectives uh, that, that it, the church has had in history and has today over, does God physically heal every time we pray with enough faith. The first one would be this. Some people believe that God heals every time we pray with faith. There are people in, the, in, in church history and today, whole congregations, churches, that believe if we pray with enough faith, 100% of the time, the person will get healed. And there's two sides of the pendulum on this that are so far theologically to me that's so interesting. There are people who, who believe that this was true in the first century with the apostles, that every time they prayed, like Peter could just pray for whoever he wanted to, and 100% of the time, they would just, he had the, this authority that they could just, he could heal people. Some people believe that some people, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians that talks about this, that people have a gift of healing, and some certain people could do that. And they believe that that was true in the first century, but, but not anymore. That it was, a, it was a special time just in the first century as the church was launching. That's, that's a, the whole theological camp that believes that. On the other side of the pendulum, well, let me give you this. Let's, let's give you some pluses and negatives to each of these. Here's the plus to this. The plus is that we do see more healing in the Gospels and Acts than we do in today. If you've never read through the book of Acts and going, why doesn't that happen more often today? then you haven't read the book of Acts, right? So, so there's a positive to that. It does make sense when you look at the, what our experience. The negative is we don't see any clear scriptural teaching that clarifies this to be the case. I don't believe there's any, any scripture that says that it will be for a, a season and then it will stop. The second side of the pendulum where it says this is, this is still true for Christians today the positive would be this. It's encouraging to, to, to pray. It encourages you to pray faithfully. I mean, if you believe you have authority and you can go and, and pray for people to get healed and you really believe like they're going to if you have enough faith, you're probably going to pray for pe- the sick more often, right? It becomes like this. Inc- so there's a positive, I would say, to that. And it's never a bad thing to pray for the sick. Here's the negative. Many faithful saints have prayed with at least the faith of, of a mustard seed and not in healing. 
So it becomes very discouraging if, if, if it's not true. And, and I try to teach you, hey, if you had enough faith, you could pray for someone and they would, get, they would get healed. And you're like, well, I have faith. I believe it. And I'm praying for my loved one. And it's not happening. Wow, that could be damaging. So I would say there's, there's some caution in my heart towards that viewpoint. Uh, the second big idea is this. That by the nature of praying with faith, some would say, because it says if you do pray with faith, they'll be healed. By the nature of praying with faith, we are acknowledging that God may have a bigger plan. Positive for this would be that this shapes our prayers to ask God to heal the sick. And it also recognizes that God may not, for a good reason at times, uh, heal them. And only he knows why. The negative to this is it is very difficult to read this into the James's text here. It's not the most natural way to read this. It's the one that makes the most sense to me, I would say. But as I study it hermeneutically, I have some problems with that. Third one would be this. The promise is for the forgiveness of sin, salvation, and entrance into heaven. James is talking more about eternal, spiritual, emotional relational, more than just physical healing here. And the positive to this would be this, that this highlights the eternal perspective above the earthly perspective. You can't explain away the context that James is talking here about physical healing. So here's, there, there, there's kind of the, the, the spectrum of the ways people believe. Um, what do you believe? We don't have to have a time of, 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 of talking I would say this, if you are very strong, like this is the one way it is, I would just encourage you to have a little bit of humility. There's pluses and negatives to all of them. And here's the encouraging thing. You don't need to figure it out. Nobody needs to figure this out. Nobody needs to know how God does what God does, because God does what God does, whether you figured it out or not. What we should be worried about is what we do. And the what we do is very clear in this passage. When someone is suffering, go and pray for them. Pray that God would, 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 would take away the suffering. Also, pray that God would give them endurance through the suffering if that's his will. Pray that God would bring them to maturity through the suffering. Pray that God would not waste a hurt. Pray that the people in their life would see the hope that they have in Jesus. So pray that they have hope in Jesus in their suffering so that people can see that hope. And then pray for boldness, that they would have an answer for the hope that they have. Connect all this together. We can pray much more deeper prayers. We can pray. When somebody is sick, go take them some soup and pray for them. Believe that God can heal them. I believe that. You may be on a camp that doesn't believe that. I'm okay with that. I do. I want to pray that God would heal them. I want to see them get healed. Maybe just even because I'm a little kid in a candy store, you know? Like, I just want to be excited and see God move. But also, because you love them. And you don't want them to be sick. And if for some reason they're still sick next week, it doesn't mean that God didn't answer. It doesn't mean that your prayer wasn't powerful. 
It's not the only thing they need. They don't just need physical healing. The reality is none of us knows what they really need, do we? There's a humility in not knowing what people really need and praying to a big God who does know and who is able. There's some mystery surrounding the rays of our God. Amen? So here are some things that we can sink our teeth into. And I want to ask the worship team to come back up. But here are some things that we can sink our teeth into. We can know that our God is good. We can know that our God is good. That we can, that our, faith could, our faith could stand on the fact that our God is good. We can, we can trust that our God listens and cares. Our God always listens and cares. The psalm says that God never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's always on the job. He, he always is, is, is attentive and listening. We can know that our God is able. And there's a tension in that, right? Like, like, I love my grandma, and my grandma was super compassionate. And if I was to tell my grandma, Grandma, I'm really going through a hard time, she would be very compassionate, but really didn't have the power to do anything about it. On the other sense, what if there was a, 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 a dictator who had all the resources in this world, and they could really do a lot of good to help? but they didn't have any compassion. There's like this disconnect, right? We have a God who has all the resources in heaven and earth. And he does care. And he's inviting us to pray. And so he's saying, come and pray. We can know that God always answers our prayers. 100% of the time, God answers our prayers. It's just sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's not yet. You ever prayed for something and then years later God didn't give it to you and you're like, I'm glad he wasn't listening. No, he was listening. He just knew better. Wouldn't that be horrible if God did whatever we asked? I don't even want that. Our God does not heal 100% of the time physically, I believe. Also, he always does much more. Even when he does come heal physically, he always does much more. And we should pray for that. And so the best application is pray for the suffering, pray for the sick, pray for the sinner, pray for their healing, pray for their victory over sin and temptation, pray for their comfort, pray for their endurance, pray for their faith and maturity, trust God with the results. And there's one final grand finale here that James ends this letter with, and it would be, this would be the point. It's not in your notes. For most of us, myself included, our prayers are too small. For most of us, see, the context, James isn't, isn't writing this letter to answer our theological debates. He's writing this letter to encourage us to pray. That's what he's writing it for. He's not like giving us a theological snobbery. He's not, he's not giving us stuff to argue about. He's encouraging us to pray. And he does that in the end like this. He goes, Elijah was a human being. What? (laughs) You guys ever read the stories of Elijah? He was at least a superhuman. That's what I would say. I mean, he does stuff in the Bible that I've never seen anybody. I I never even wanted to do. Elijah was a superhero. No, no, he wasn't. Elijah was a human being. If you have your Bible, your, your Bible, underline that. Right? 
Underline, Elijah was a human being. And then in the margins, right, with a big God. That was, that was his secret superpower. He had a big God. Do you? Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.